Welcome to this edition of Gabrielle Dolan's Authentic Leadership Podcast. Join Gabrielle as she speaks to well-known leaders on authentic leadership values and storytelling. The aim of this podcast is to encourage you to embrace authenticity in both the professional and personal context. The stories and experience of her guests will be a wonderful catalyst for others to learn from. So welcome to another episode of my Authentic Leadership podcast series. And in this episode, I am excited, very excited to be speaking to the amazing Lisa Barron, who is just a fashion icon of, well, Melbourne, Australia, the world. I don't know where we go with this, but you know, she's up there. Um, amazing designer. Welcome, Lisa. Hello, Raoul. Thank you. <laughs> now, we, um, our paths first crossed a couple of years ago as part of International Women's Forum, which we are both members of. So I, th- I think I first met you probably at the International Women's Forum in Melbourne when Melbourne actually ran the World Conference. So that was a couple of years ago. But our, we recently caught up. Uh, I remember the day well. It was Friday the 6th of March. I came to your studio um, was very excited because the first time I'd been to your studio and 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 um, bought a whole lot of outfits that I needed because I was um, going to be the next few months I was going around the globe uh, doing a lot of keynote speaking and wanted some new outfits and uh, be fair to say I haven't got to wear them much <laughs> since then. So going back to that that you know March sixth of March that early March. Where were you, what were you looking forward to then? Like what was your world like early March and what was coming up and what were you planning for and what were you excited about? Well, March is always a a fabulous month in the fashion calendar. We kind of have the bookends of March and then September. So March is um, the month of new collections being released. We have Fashion Festival, um, which I was... Um, going, participating in my 23rd year of Melbourne Fashion Festival and the only designer to have been invited to every to showcase at every event since its inception so it's pretty exciting wow, and that, is, that is that is impressive that's the only designer ever to be invited for 23 years since it's yes, running yes oh, so I was in the first really show good. and um and then you know every year I feel very very grateful to be invited again to participate and you know many designers that started out with me are no longer in business so you know it's kind of yeah it's a it's something that I am very proud of so March is an exciting time um so we do the fashion festival we do season launches to our clients we travel Australia to showcase the collections to all all our private clients in interstate we fill the shop with new stocks, so all the beautiful um, suiting and evening wear. So March is a, is a fantastically exciting month. And it was just as we, I think, had made the last delivery into store. So chock-a-block with beautiful new clothes and then we're shut. Mm. So uh, over, that, over that, like probably the week after that, the week or maybe just the week, um, I know for me... Um, every day I'd sort of get a client saying, I think we better postpone this. And it was sort of just every day you just kept thinking, this is more serious than what I thought. Was there a time when you just realised that this is, this is bad? 
like for you personally and and the, and the profession was, was there a certain moment or just as the days rolled by you just it got worse i i think the day that we shut the shop um we'd seen you know the the shutdown of other industries other businesses the street became quieter i think the week before we actually shut there was no one in the street and it's incredibly disheartening to to have a store open and have no one come in but the day we shut the shop and we took all the stock out of the shop um you know it which i had watched dior do that and you kind of um, a, a an honour in a way to say, right, it's removed, it's closed. It, it's quite um, to have a story. Um, and I think that's when it was having invested so heavily into filling a store and then to have no way and no, there was no indication of when we'd open again. So to have to um, think about the paying, the rent, the makers, all the people or the fabric who had been a part of um, stocking that shop, that's when I realised this is serious. What am I going to do? Mm. Did you, how, long, how long did you keep the shop open until, I mean, obviously they you know, had to cancel the fashion festival and everything. When did you actually, what was the day you, you closed the shop? We closed the shop on March the 19th. Um, so that was, that was, a, it was a very... Very interesting and very sad day. But we were still incredibly positive and we'd sent out emails to all our clients um, explaining and keeping them in touch with what we were doing, what we were thinking. Um, so it was, it, was, um, it was very confronting. Did you shed a tear? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Proudly a girl. I, oh, yeah. I cried always helps. Yeah. Oh, it would have been heartbreaking. And you've got a couple of staff that work for you that... Yes, I do. I've got a, a, a brilliant team. We're a small team, very effective, highly productive. And my team is, you know, age-wise age from 23 to my machinist who is 72, who's worked for me for 25 years. You know, I, I'm also very conscious of making sure she's engaged and stays engaged with the business so we've we've kept her busy during that time um as i keep telling her she's got another good 20 years left in her so um you know she'll be around for a while but my team just stepped up and said we will do whatever it takes to keep this business going so i'm i'm again incredibly grateful mm. and, and like like a lot of businesses you've probably had to um change the way you do things i am not going to use the word pivot to describe that um but i know you're you're hosting an online fashion show is it is this like the first time you've done a virtual online fashion show it, it yes it is really um and it's been a you know a, a challenging thing to get my head around because i'm such a customer centric label i love the interaction with my clients with women um, online is is good but it's not the main part of our business and I think the misconception that everybody believes that any business can just convert to an online business is it, it's not that easy but we are going to be doing an online fashion interactive show with um, with with the team and showcasing what the collection is what we have 
and just a little bit of insight about the business, how, why I design the way I do, the kinds of women I design for, and how we like to see, you know, wardrobes be maximised. So it's going, it's going to be fun. And it's now I'm fun. And we'll, we'll, we'll put the links of that in, you know, in somewhere to where people can access that. But what, what date is it, just to give it a plug? It is going to be on Wednesday the 17th of June. Excellent. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'd love everyone along. It's going to be, I think we've had a great, um, a great uh, response so far. So I'll be looking forward to seeing all the ladies on the screen. Excellent. We'll, well, we'll put the details in for that because it does sound like a pretty cool event. Um, what have you learned about yourself over the last few months? Oh, um, it's, this, this has been a time of introspection. I mean, there's no, not many opportunities that you just can go quiet and, and really reevaluate, have a look, think, just to see how you're responding to, to such a drastic change in your lifestyle in such a short period of time. So I think what I've learned about myself probably an enhancement of some characteristics that I knew were there anyway, but being resourceful. Resourcefulness to me is something that, um, you know, if, if everything comes too easily for you, whether it be in work or life, etc., you don't you don't really develop that resourcefulness. So um, I think during this time found to be very resourceful. Within, to give an example, you know, I've got the most beautiful fabrics that I have collected. And they're not always part of the collection, but they could be pieces that I've had for a while. So the resourcefulness is I need to keep creating. So I've I've um, pulled out a lot of these pieces and I don't really want to call it the COVID collection, but there's been pieces while it's been quiet in my workroom and studio, I've just had fun creating and coming up with different things because in it, without the pressure of, a deadline of a collection so we've known not known when any of this is ending so so that's been great I think the other thing um, I've learned about myself is I am very open um, fashion can tend to be quite a superficial you know oh everything's fabulous darling and and not really you know that that truth and that honesty that's there so I don't really have a problem in saying it how it is and I think that that transpires across everything you know I'm I've I've been very honest and quite raw at times with how this situation has affected me and I think I've the probably the third thing I've learned about myself which I have appreciated so much during this time is I've realized I've created an absolutely wonderful circle of friends and mentors and people who have inspired me and they continue to do so and that is so rich to have phone calls out of the blue, to have people just reach out just to see how you are, what are you doing, what can they do to help. I mean, it has to be a two-way street. I found myself doing a lot more of that myself, you know, reaching out to people. But I think um, creating the, the, the community around you is so important and it's times like these that you realise well, I've realised, hey, I think I've done a pretty good job. I've got a pretty cool bunch of people around me at the moment, so that, that's, that's been great. 
Yes, well, you have done a pretty good job of that as well. And that's where, where people will be there for, for you when you need them. Um, look, tell me how you, going back a bit, how did you get into fashion? Like, did you, did you have someone that inspire you? Did you always want to be a designer? Did, or did you just fall into it? Tell us a bit of the backstory of Lisa Barrett. Um, look, I think um, it's, it probably comes back to that resourcefulness. I, I grew up in Perth, um, so I think I was about... 17, 18, and, you know, the, the punk movement was happening, which was incredibly inspiring. I love those um, anti-establishment, brave. They're probably a bit naughty, but um, they, they did inspire me. And hence I, I loved, you know, seeing Deborah Harry and some of the, you know, um, some of the musicians and the way they dressed and, you know, wanting to do the same. But in Perth, there was nowhere I could find a pair of leopard skin socks. So I thought I have to make them myself. So I think music inspired me. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I did a two-year fashion course but dropped out because I got a bit bored because they, they didn't really do enough. And by that time I'd saved $500 and I said to my mum, who was an incredibly inspiring woman, she had been very successful and she'd sold the first, been the first female car salesman in Perth. Um, always made me believe in anything um, I could do anything, um, whether it be I want to be an Olympic swimmer inspired by Shane Gould or I wanted to be um, a famous horse rider, not a famous horse rider, an Olympic horse rider. She said, when do I look for lessons? Um, whatever I wanted to be, she supported and said, there's no reason why you can't. So when I said to her, I have $500, um, I think I'm going to move to Melbourne be a fashion designer. She said, okay, love, let me know. Let me know if you need a hand when you go over there. So I packed up my car at um, 20 years old and um, moved over to Melbourne to start my empire. And um, it, it went okay for, you know, for the last 37 years. So, so why Melbourne? Why did you choose Melbourne? I Melbourne, I ended up coming to Melbourne because when I was at fashion school, I'd entered a competition by a department store that you pick the fabric out of the fabric um, department, you sketch something, and the trip, the, the prize was a trip to Melbourne to meet three designers of your choice. And I won that competition. So I got to come to Melbourne for a week and meet, meet a few designers. I just love Melbourne. I thought it was homely and I kind of the these two Sydney I love it, but people will take out for dinner in Sydney. In Melbourne they home for dinner. And I just felt it was um, it was just a, a a nice kind of progression to Perth, which so it still felt homely. And now it's the fashion capital and all well it always has been, but Melbourne's a lot more stylish than Sydney. Sorry, Sydney. maybe maybe you help contribute making it the, the um, fashion capital. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's got a, a beautiful classic um, a classicness to it. So you know, so hence um, I found an apartment in South Yarra for forty dollars a week. I went down to the Victoria Market, bought some fabric. I made up a small collection in my garage that was at the back of the flat that I rented, and um, trotted off down Chapel Street and um, went into a few shops. They 
soon shooed me out and, you know, I walked in there. I didn't know a lot about marketing and packaging, so I had the garments in a big black garbage bag. Uh, but I did stop at one shop, which many of the listeners probably will remember, back in the early 80s, was Joe Solito. He had um, five shops in a row and he said to me um, to leave the clothes on the rack and come back next week and if they'd sold, um, he'd give me the money. So how I did that back. feel? So how did that feel to, like, you must have been skipping out of there. It, I did. It was amazing. Um, it was, I, I felt my clothes were in a shop in Chapel Street in the coolest street in Australia and, and I went back the next week and they'd all sold and he gave me the money and he said, go make me some more and come back. So I'm still in touch with Joe Salito today and I say that it's because of him and him giving me a chance that the business really, you know, started. So um, that that's kind of the slow progression of, you know, just you do something, if it works, do a little bit more. Mm. If it works, do a little bit more, a little bit more. And, and so that, that's when you were like early 20s. How, when did yep. you get your own shop? I wholesale. Well, I, again, I called Chapel Street my agent. So really after having the, my clothes in Joe Salito's shop, a lot of other boutiques saw my clothes in, in his shop and would call me and say, you know, can we have some too? And so therefore it ended up becoming national. So I wholesaled probably... 10, 15 years before I opened my own store. And, you know, and then so I continue to wholesale today to other boutiques but have my own store. And it really was through the mid to late 90s that a lot of brands went vertical. So they opened their own store. Prior to that, it was more about you're either a manufacturer and a wholesaler or you were a retailer. So um, I chose, you know, to be a wholesaler. And um, now kind of, you know, the, the way is you, you have your own store now. And mm. Besides, um, you know, so throughout your entire career, besides COVID, which is obviously a bit a big challenge at the moment, what's been, have you had any other significant challenges along your way? Look, there's probably, apart from, you know, the recessions, et cetera, which kind of skipped by, even in 83 when I moved to Melbourne, you know, someone said to me, do you realise there was a recession? Um, and I, I had no idea. I didn't even know what a recession was. And hence, you know, I kind of coined this phrase of oblivion. And that's what I love about excited young people. They're oblivious optimism. I decided to move to Melbourne, start a business. Um, didn't matter as a recession. There were all the bushfires. There was everything going on. Um, in Melbourne, but it, it didn't stop me. So I, I think um, I don't really see anything as a big, big challenge. Being in fashion, every collection is a challenge. Every collection is like starting a new business. And I don't know if people appreciate that because even as you grow and get better at what you do, every time you put out a collection, it's got to be different. A new product, it's a new business every six months. Mm. So you're constantly being challenged. Was there a time, so um, thinking now of some of the great opportunities that have um, come your way because of that, that, have there been times where you sort of pinch yourself and think, I can't believe I'm here or doing this? 
Oh, definitely. And I think um, it was during the 90s when the phenomenon of the supermodels started and some wonderfully entrepreneurial show producers in, in Australia started the Australian Designer Collections and inviting the supermodels to, to Australia to, to showcase. And it was during that time, and I think over a period of about five or six years, I'd had Helena Christensen, Linda Evangelista, Naomi Campbell, um, all wearing my clothes during these shows. And it really wasn't that far along the timeline from when I'd arrived in Melbourne with my $500 and then I'm watching these amazing women wearing my clothes down the catwalk. That was, that was pretty exciting. Mm. Your mum must be proud. Is your mum still with us? Yes, she is, and she's very proud. And even in the early days, if she'd see someone in my in one of my dresses, she'd go up to them in the street and say, that's my daughter's dress. <laughs> and they'd go, no, no, it's mine. I bought it. I paid for it. But she, and she still does that today. I think she's, um, yeah, she's very proud. And, you know, it's her spirit and her, um, her uh, strength and um, just attitude to life is what has really, I think, given me very much um, a, a focus on I can do, I can do anything, really. Good stuff. Good on mum. Uh, I often ask you, what's your favourite quote? If you've got a favourite quote that you sort of uh, live by or guide you, and I know you mentioned sort of one before about the being oblivious but have you got another quote I do and it and and knowing that you asked this I I thought this is so apt for the time right now and the quote I love is it will all be okay in the end and if it's not okay it's just not the end <laughs> so it's Lisa, can I just say for the people that know me and we haven't discussed this but that is one of my favorite quotes of all time too oh is it it's literally you've probably got it more accurately than I do I just literally say it'll all be all right in the end and if it's not it's not the end yeah yeah and I, I love that quote too and it's just it can work for everything mm. It's it can great. it can absolutely work for everything hey I want to finish up on a, on a quick few personal questions you know one thing they're all personal not too personal don't get don't get scared um what's one food or dish that you absolutely love cooking oh look uh, i i think because my whole life is around inspiration it changes and it usually changes following a country i've been to so right now i would have to say i'm loving cooking greek food because i had a wonderful experience there last year but I felt the same when after I'd been to the Middle East or Istanbul so um I think it's it's just trying to get closer and more connected to a particular place or country or feel because I do believe you have much more understanding of something through all your senses and and eating a food of a country I think just gives you more insight yeah, they tend to do that. Last year we went to Europe and included mainly um, Budapest and Prague and ate more goulash than I could care to remember. But then you come back home and after about a week it was like, who feels like goulash? <laughs> it's just like you start cooking it again. Yeah, 
What's your favourite 80s artist or song? Well, you can do both if you want. Oh, music has played a big, big part of, um, of my life and, you know, it does, you know, each part of your life, it kind of has a strong impression. But I think the, the artist and the song that's lasted the longest period of time in my life would have to be the Rolling Stones' Paint It Black. Ah. You just have always loved that song or there's special memories or oh, what, what, is, what about it that you're so definite that's the one? It just does something. You know when you hear a song and it just mm. does something and you just, it resonates, it, it provokes, it um, just, uh, yeah, there's just something about um, I always loved the songs. Um, I probably should have been married to Mick Jagger. That's how I feel about it. But <laughs> he might have had um, different thoughts. <laughs> you know, it's just that um, it gets in deep. It gets in deep when you're a child, I think. So, yeah, there have been many, um, yeah. many songs that I've loved. But, yeah, I would always, um, you know, pull that one up if I'm feeling... Excellent. Okay, final question I'm going to ask you. What advice would you give to your 21-year-old self? Well, I think at, at, at 21, I had crossed the country and started my business. So I felt I was a pretty brave <laughs> and um, full of oblivion. But I'd probably tell myself, be braver and be clearer. Really, you know, be clear with what you, how you see your path going and, and don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to put it out there because there are so many wonderful people in this world that just step up and, and, and help you out and help guide you to where you want to be. So I think it's about being braver. Yeah, that's a lovely way to end it. Um, so thank you. Good luck with um, emerging out of uh, this situation we're in. Um, it'll be all right in the end, I'm sure. <laughs> if it's not all right, it's not the end. Um, also good luck with the online event that's coming up on the Wednesday the 17th of June. And like I said, we'll put the details there. I am... I'm looking forward to when we meet again in person and I'm also looking forward to, like you would not believe, being able to wear some of your amazing designs on stage again when we all, you know, get back to doing face-to-face -face events, which is so good. I, I can't wait to actually get them out of my wardrobe and put them on. I might just have to prance around at the house with them on to get Mary. Lisa Barron, thank you so much for being part of it and um, all the best. All good luck with everything. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast in the Authentic Leadership Series. Visit the resource library on Gabrielle's website to access a collection of free material on business storytelling and thought leadership.